we, we can't keep thinking of ourselves as above or uh, removed from. Uh, these things are there for us and we're there for them. So by harvesting, if a thing is, if a plant is in seed, shake those seeds, transport them around, go and plant them, do those things because then the next season you can have more. Um, you'll be helping the plant and the plant is helping you. This is how it has occurred for millennia and millennia. To remove ourselves from this only is detrimental. We're being detrimental to the plants, we're being detrimental to ourselves because we could be getting this amazing medicine. Hello and welcome. My name is Michael Homewood. This is the Awaken to Nature podcast, a series of conversations and meditations that explore how to go about deepening our connection with nature and achieving a healthier body, mind and spirit. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you are happy and healthy. I'm currently sitting in my back garden and... Uh, it's a bit breezy today, as with most days in Cape Town. In summer, we generally have a steady wind blowing, and today is no different. So hopefully the wind doesn't cause too much uh, disturbance on the microphone. I've um, been wandering around my garden, just kind of looking at all the different plants that we have. You know, when we moved in here, our mission was to add a whole bunch of edible plants into, um, into the garden, uh, which we've been doing over the past couple of years. Yeah, after my recent, this recent podcast interview, which you'll hear today, uh, I realized that I already had a whole bunch of plants in the garden that provided um, medicine and, uh, and food. And I'm hoping that by the end of this episode, you will also look at your garden uh, through a whole new lens. And, and perhaps even when you're out in the, in the forest or in the fields. Uh, yeah, so we've got a fantastic episode lined up for you today. My guest is Cullen Taylor-Clark. He is the co-founder of Ether Herbalist and Apothecary. Cullen was following my Cape Town Real journey last year and reached out to me via Instagram to say thanks for the work that I was doing, which, as you can imagine, was very cool. It was very cool to hear that positive feedback. I then went and had a little closer look at what he was up to and realized that uh, he's involved in some very cool stuff. Uh, just a quick side note, uh, if you would like to find out more about what I do in between the podcast episodes uh, or to follow the Awaken to Nature journey a bit more closely, then yeah, definitely check me out on Instagram, Awaken to Nature. Uh, it's definitely where I'm most active. So I always love hearing from you guys. So please don't be shy. Pop me a DM. I would love to say hi. Um, back to this episode. As you will hear, Cullen is super passionate about the work he does. And... Uh, Although it wasn't always this way, it, it was in his early 20s that his journey took a sudden sharp turn, which would take him away from a path climbing the corporate ladder and towards the forest to remember forgotten foods and a life connected to nature. As he ventured deeper into nature, Cullen became increasingly more aware of the huge variety of edible and medicinal wild foods available in South Africa. It became his mission to share the knowledge that he was learning and to make the healing power of these foods more accessible. And he does this with his partner, Ricky Ann, uh, through their business, Ether Herbalist and Apothecary. In this episode, Cullen reminds us of the ancient role herbalism plays in preventative health. He shines a light onto the wonderful world of pioneer plants, which 
most of us know as ordinary garden weeds. These are the ones that I was talking about growing here in my garden. He also shares some amazing stories of his adventures in the forests and fields and how he goes about connecting with the land to literally sniff out the best wild foods and fungi. His story about hunting reishi mushroom was definitely one of my highlights, so uh, listen out for that. Cullen shares some wild food foraging best practices, which when done correctly, will promote the health and growth of the plants being harvested, as well as their local environment. Towards the end of the episode, Cullen shares his top three medicinal plants and why we should all have them in our cupboard. So stick around for that. Cullen reminds us that we can change our life and that connecting with nature is important to maintain a healthy life. I really enjoy this conversation and I'm sure you're going to enjoy hearing all that Cullen has to share. If you're left feeling inspired to learn more about foraging or to include more wild foods in your diet, then I highly recommend checking out the free ebooks that Cullen and his team have put together. These are serious works of art and they are jam-packed full of information and diagrams of lookalikes and exactly what you need to look out for. Um, I've downloaded all of them and uh, yeah, they just, they really are amazing. So I'll include uh, links in the show notes to those ebooks. Uh, also in the show notes will be a link to their Instagram page. Uh, so give them a follow for some education and inspiration. I really hope that you enjoy this episode. So with that, let's get cracking with episode number four. Uh, you know, nature can be incredibly healing, not just on a physical level by using the, the, the things that you can find in nature, but also just spending time in nature can be so, so fulfilling and so yeah. rewarding. And I think just doing that was so, so necessary just for grounding me and getting me back to this sort of uh, calm mindset. So I'm so grateful. I mean, I think if we can try and teach people more about being in harmony with nature, the better. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, and I think that was a big drive for me is the the stressing, stress and anxiety that everyone was in last year, well, and still now, um, and realizing that there's lots of tools out there to help people in that situation. Sure, sure. And a lot of it's actually quite simple. You know, it's just, as you say, getting back into nature. Um, so yeah, anything we can do to promote that and remind people, um, and it's the same for me, you know, I completely identify with what you're saying every time mm. I've been in that kind of a place, it's, uh, the nature, especially for me, the sea, the sea, mm. just like I can be in there for two seconds and it just changes. Just washes completely. you clean eh? Yeah. Completely. No, I'm, yeah. I feel you definitely. definitely. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, we, we went for a couple of surfs and that was also, there's nothing like a good surf in the sea just to, to clear your mind. I think, um, yeah, I completely resonate with that. The, the sea in the forest, you can't beat that. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Cool, man. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to get this, uh, let this episode start with us talking, but, um, uh, let me just officially welcome you to the Awaken to Nature podcast. Cullen, I'm so glad that you joined me today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so, so excited. man. I'm, I've been keeping tabs on what you've been doing for quite a while. So I'm so excited to be on it. And I'm really grateful that you have extended the invite. I think um, just, yeah, I'm so, so keen just to uh, inform people, get people excited about nature and also just to share a bit of our story. So I'm, I'm so grateful. So to you, Mike, thanks so cool. much for having me on. Man. It's an absolute pleasure, man. I know we've got lots to talk about. Um, I want to start by just asking a bit about where you are, because from what I know, you were originally from Durban, 
you spent time in Cape Town and Johannesburg, and now you're in a place called Hugger Hugger, which I hadn't Hello. heard of until um, we met, or at least virtually met. So where is Hugger Hugger, and why did you guys choose to settle down there? Okay, uh, yeah, so Hugger Hugger is, uh, I, I like to just say paradise. Hugger Hugger okay. is in paradise, and not, nice. not tell people where it is, otherwise people just flock here, and then it just fills up. <laughs> <laughs> but to, to, to just let you know, so Haga Haga is an amazing little um, nature conservancy. It's in what's referred to as the Siskai, which is just before the Transkai. So like just, yeah. just before the, the Kai River mouth. About, uh, it's about an hour, give or take, from East London. So the Eastern Cape. Uh, yes. Absolutely wild. There's rolling hills and forests as far as you can see. It's literally like the, the most beautiful place ever. I mean... I've been, like you said, I've been all over. I grew up in Durban, spent time in Joburg, Cape Town, love all of those places, absolutely love wilderness. But the Eastern Cape, there's just something special about this place. I think uh, if you haven't experienced it once before, I think anyone should come down. It's yeah, wonderful. It's beautiful. It's clean. It's untouched. I think that's the best way to describe mm. it. It's untouched. Uh, it's, yeah, it's the wild coast. Okay, cool. And it's it's got a bit of a... Um ancient energy feel to it as well definitely it's super wild i mean we we often just swim up the the estuaries the rivers and you've got if you can just imagine you swimming up a river and you've got these giant mountains on either side of you with monkeys jumping over the top wow. and you've got it's it's glorious it really really is absolutely are those, wonderful so are those yeah, the yeah. estuaries that you get the sharks going up and down <laughs> i haven't seen any sharks just yet but i have okay. seen some eels definitely some big eels uh, okay. There's Legovans, you know, there's big, uh, there's big lizards. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you, you can't be scared swimming up them, but it's the most wonderful, very primal feeling uh, just going up them. It's, it's, it's a very primal place, I think. Um, there's not many people that live here. Obviously, you've got your, your villages and your settlements, uh, but they're very different. Everything is, is spaced out. Everything is, uh, you know, associated with nature. You've got nature everywhere, forests, absolutely mm. everywhere. It's, it's really a special, special place. Okay, so so it's a place that you were attracted to because of the nature aspect, not because it's somewhere where you used to go as a child with your family or anything like so, that. So luckily, so my partner, my girlfriend, her name is Ricky Ann. She's been coming here since she was super, okay. super young. Um, I hadn't been here until I was about 16. We've been together about nine years, almost nine years now. And oh, we nice. used to come here when we were in school, um, okay. school time. And yeah, I think... At first, I hated it. Couldn't stand it because it's so quiet and you're so far out of everything else. Um, and I think as soon as you get the bug, as soon as it bites you, you don't want mm. to live anywhere else. I can't imagine living anywhere else. I mean, we are uh, just in, if I walk out of my front door, I've got access, especially with what I love to do, uh, harvesting, which we're going to yeah. talk about. But yeah, I've got yeah. access to four different types of forests. There's about three rivers, about five minutes from my front door. So it's, uh, yeah, there's lots and lots of opportunity for getting uh, access to nature. Excellent. Yeah, you know, I've got friends that are kind of enticing us to get out of the city and, and um, maybe go towards the garden route. And as much as I love it, there's a part of me that's still quite likes the buzz of the city but i can feel that uh, the the bug of um living closer to nature is is definitely mm, gripping mm. harder and harder each uh, month that goes by so we'll see um but uh, yeah so maybe we'll cut out the name of where you live so that no one finds it we'll just call it paradise <laughs> awesome man. you can leave her going again it's really not a problem <laughs> all right and before we get on to 
yeah, talking about your business and and um, yeah, what you guys are up to now. I just wanted to maybe touch on the transition because I read on your, on your website and one of the blogs that you you were in corporate before you um, started the ether herbalist and yes, apothecary. Yes. And you know, corporate and apothecary are not two words that you often hear close together. Complete other ends uh, of the spectrum, definitely. Yeah. So I just wondered. Um, it said in the blog that uh, you came in one day and you quit, and I just wondered what had happened or or should i say what um yeah what was that transition like from corporate mm. to to building i'd love to i'd love to share it i think uh, yeah if, if anyone can maybe get something out of my story uh, it's that uh, you don't need to um you don't need to keep living life the way that it is you can change and i mm. think uh, for me so i uh, just to to paraphrase quickly so i i did what everyone was told to do when you leave school you know you you go out and you find a job and you get up early, sit in traffic, go to work, do the grind, get home when it's dark, have your yeah. dinner, sleep, do it all again the next day. And I think um, for the first little while, it was it was fine. And I did really well. I, I did fairly well for myself. I mean, at, mm. um, at about 20, 21, I became the regional manager for our company that I was working for in Cape Town. So, yeah, yeah I had, had all of those cool things. But... Something like you say, something was missing. Something, mm. um, something just felt a bit, a bit off. So I think um, I quite a few different things happened. There was quite a bit that was going on in my life at that time. But basically, what happened was I came to work the one day. I just had enough. I didn't want to do it anymore. I knew that I had this whole life ahead of me. At twenty one, twenty two, I was like, no, nah, can't do it until I'm fifty. I want to do something more. Give something back. Um, yes. So I went to work on a Monday after deciding on the weekend, I'm not going to do it anymore. Went to work on the Monday, told my boss, I'm out of here. I uh, didn't even work my 30 days, didn't get sure. my final pay slip. I just said, don't want it, I'm, I'm out. And I basically yeah. packed my desk and and yeah, got out of there. And it was Excellent. the best thing, best thing that I could have ever done. I Obviously, corporate works for some people. It really does. And some people mm. flourish and they can do a lot of good and they can definitely live some amazing lives. But for, for myself, it just didn't sit right. I, I knew that we could do something else and I could yeah. do something more. And I'm okay. so grateful that I had because our company wouldn't have started had I still stayed in corporate. So I think yeah. it was the best experience of my life just to, to uproot everything, to have no fear and just to, to walk straight through the door and not worry about what's going to happen next. Oh, that's amazing. So, so when you got home that day, I mean, did you have any idea what you were going to do? Or were you just so no, clear no that idea. You, couldn't, you couldn't keep doing what you were doing, but you didn't exactly. know what you were going to be doing? <laughs> exactly, man. And my, my girlfriend um, at the time, uh, well, still my girlfriend, but Rix, uh, yeah. she, she was basically making dinner. I walked through the front door and she's like, how was, how was work? And I was like, I quit. And <laughs> she had a fit. She's like, what? You can't just do that. That's not how life is. But then yeah. as soon as she realized that I was, I was happy and it was the best thing I could ever do, she was like, this is amazing. Let's find something that you're passionate about and let's do mm -hmm. it. And she's been there every step of the way. So it's yeah. um, not just my company. We co-founded it together. She's yes. an absolute integral part of the company. Yeah. I love her so much. And she's been there every step of the way since the beginning. So I think... Um, yeah, when, when I got home that one day, I didn't have any plans. It was just that I needed to be out and I needed to uh, do something better with my life, something more substantial. So mm. it actually took about a month 
of me just sitting and thinking and figuring stuff out. And I went through a couple of different ideas. I even started a company because I love design as well. So I started a company okay. that um, we did uh, we did online graphic design and web design. Yeah, that did fine, but it still felt corporate. It still felt like it was that grind, you know. And I like to I like to talk to people about the the beginning of Ether. But it's also a bit of a weird one because I actually have no idea how it started. It just happened one day. It just yeah. it, it wasn't there, and then it was there. I don't even know how the name came about. About wow. I don't know how it, it just happened. So I, I want to give you a proper answer, but we we don't even have proper answers ourselves. We're still thinking about it. So okay. uh, it sort of materialized out of nothingness, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely meant to be. Okay. Well, I mean, you guys, your, your, one of your main focuses is um, herbalism and medicinal mm. plants and mushrooms. So w- when you were still in that uh, corporate space, I take it you weren't using any of those things or had you already started dabbling in some of them? No, no, no. Um, no, definitely not. I think, uh, yeah, for, for myself, obviously I can't speak on Rex's behalf, but for myself, I've, I've always been drawn to plants. You know, there's always a connection like every single planet, person on this planet has, as much mm. as they like to deny it, everyone has a connection. It's how you foster that connection. And I think for mm. me in my childhood, what I can remember doing was whenever I'd, I would walk past the plant, I'd always touch it and feel what it felt like or smell it, you know, interact. And that was basically as far as it, as it went. I never took herbal medicine or did any of uh, the foraging or spent much time in the forest, but it was always that connection. And I think by severing ties with the corporate world uh, that just opened up the floodgates to that connection and it just grew and grew and grew. So, uh, yeah, it, it sort of, um, it was maybe there in the recesses of my psyche for yeah. the majority of my life. And then it just jumped forward, ready to pounce. Like, let's help people. Let's do something cool. And I yeah. think that was the, uh, yeah, that was just the catalyst. Quitting my okay. job was just the catalyst for it to come out. So when you, because uh, I read also, I think it might have been the same blog that you guys started with with markets, which is where a lot of the guys, especially in our industry, mm-hmm. start, and it's a great place to to get out there and get feedback and to get to b- start building awareness of your company. What did you guys have with you, like in the in the in those early days? Like, where did it start? What was the the first products that you guys made? Yeah, so we, like many others, uh, we did do the markets, and they were they were really glorious for a time. But it's also markets are. Uh, quite the grind um but it was definitely necessary for us so we we actually so rix was busy studying at this point in time she was doing um she was doing psychology as well as english and a few other things engine culture so she was studying and in order to build this brand i needed to be out there and i've always loved talking to people so marcus was just the the perfect thing for us to do so we started uh, Ether's gone through a couple iterations, a couple changes. So we started out actually doing like um, soaps and bath salts and um, just basically cosmetics infused with natural ingredients. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we began there, but over time it just morphed and changed into rather supplying herbal medicine, actually not just infusing them in uh, cosmetics, but actually getting people excited about taking herbal medicine and using herbs again. So we... Yeah, we quickly grew out of the the phase of uh, selling bath salts and and soaps. Um, moved on to extracts and powders, and then just yeah. increased our our scope from there. I mean, we we started out. I love telling the story, but we basically started out um, with 
nothing. So I would, yeah. uh, everyone knows Bond Pack in Cape Town. Bond Pack's the best supplier yeah. of bottles for, for yeah, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I would head off to Bond Pack with like, no petrol in my car. I basically <laughs> put the clutch in and just freewheel to bump back <laughs> down the hills. Um, I would get there and buy about maybe 10, 15 bottles at a time. Yeah. Sit in my car and fill them up and then basically go to the market, sell out 15 bottles so that I could buy 20 bo- bottles for the next day. At one point in time, I was doing like uh, five markets a week. So Jeez. we're really doing the grind, getting out there. And yeah. From 15 bottles, we now can supply clients all around the country. So yeah, I think the, those market days were, were integral for figuring out who we were yeah. and, you know, getting the right mindsets in place, the mindsets of education and the mindsets of good medicine. And yeah, we couldn't have done that without the markets. So I'm so glad that we did the markets. I would encourage anyone, if you've got an idea, put it into practice, get into a market, even if it's once a week, it's such a good thing to do because it really gets you excited about what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. It's um, it's one of the best places to get like that immediate feedback. Um, definitely, definitely. And I wonder if if maybe some of the feedback you were getting was that you realized there was a gap in in the herbal space. Sure, sure. Yeah, is that what led you down that that direction? Uh, for the most part, I mean, there are there were a couple other factors in there, but for the most part, it was uh, seeing people get excited. So we okay. we did teas for a little while. You know, I had um, like a shelf with jars in it of different roots and different fruits and barks and all these wonderful things. And we would do our markets and I would basically stand there mixing up teas for individual requirements. If someone had like, um, let's say, gastrointestinal upset, then I would mix up a tea for them. And seeing them get excited about the natural ingredients was all the push we needed. Uh, it It was so, so cool to see people love the idea of going back to, I don't want to say a more primitive medicine, but a more mm-hmm. holistic medicine. I think that's, that's definitely why we uh, we moved down into that, that sector of selling natural medicines, I think. On the topic of the herbalism, I mean, that's one of your main focuses, right? And to kind of remind definitely. people of the ancient art of herbalism, I suppose. How do you describe herbalism for people that have perhaps lost touch of what that stands for? Sure, sure. I think, um, well, de- definitely there's so many people that still are opposed to herbalism, but we've seen this amazing resurgence towards herbalism. So for anyone that isn't clued up uh, with, with herbalism or uh, yeah. doesn't do their research into it, I think the, the easiest way to describe herbalism is preventative medicine. I think that would be the best way to, to talk about it is, okay. you know, there's always, a t- there's a time and place for pharmaceuticals and we never bash pharmaceuticals because pharmaceuticals can save lives and they can do phenomenal things. But what we do is preventative medicine. It's about educating people about what our ancestors used. Not even a hundred thousand years ago, you know, uh, most of it hasn't changed. We've, we've basically found natural solutions Mm. to the ailments that we face as a species on a daily basis. And we implemented them into our lives. But now in the modern world, we've sort of pushed those aside, those mm. ancient, ancient rem- remedies that have been with us since the beginning. We push them aside for, for a pharmaceutical alternative. Mm. And all we're trying to do is basically show people that there is this other end of the spectrum that you can look at again. You know, it, It's more just about re-education. Uh, it's not about education, it's re-educating people. You know, those, that ancient knowledge has always been there. Just like when I was young, that integral feeling of 
uh, touching the plants that's always built into people uh, yeah. the need to use natural medicine is built in so what we do is just about re-educating people about the natural alternatives and then implementing them as preventative tools to get people to uh, we like to call it a place of radiant well-being that that well-being where you're basically shining and people can see uh, just how healthy you are and that glow that you have that's preventative medicine. You know, yeah. you're not going to get sick if you are doing your preventative measures. So all herbalism is, is uh, ancient knowledge for the modern world. I think that's what we're trying yeah. to do. I guess one of the, um, I mean, it's amazing, and I, but I guess what, one of the challenges is with, with this day and age is um, convenience, you know, and um, sure, sure. the preventative approach probably takes a bit more work, right? Um, yeah, definitely. So, so it's, it's, it's uh, like kind of reprogramming people to uh, think long term. Long term, of course, of course. Well, that, that that's that's how our, our you know the modern day world is. You know, you've uh, you've got an issue, you quickly pop a tablet for that symptom. You know, but yeah. wouldn't it be much better if we could have mitigated that symptom altogether from the start? You know, uh, so it, it's not it's not an easy thing. You need to be diligent, but just like forming a habit with exercise, everyone knows exercise is good. You've got to get mm. into that habit of exercise. You've got to get mm. into the habit of taking your natural medicines. Uh, it doesn't have to be a labor. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a strenuous thing. Just yeah. when you have your glass of water in the morning, you pop maybe some ashwagandha root in there as well, and you yeah. get to go for the day. So I think yeah. it's just about changing those mindsets about mm. easy and hard, um, and then everything will flow smoothly. Uh, so if we, we do try and make it as easy as possible. So no one wants to sit there cutting up an ashwagandha root and yeah. uh, peeling off the root bark and maybe yes. grating it that you could get a powder no one wants to do that so we do try yeah. and make it a bit more accessible by extracting it and keeping it in dropper bottles so people can use it so it's a it's a mesh between the ancients and the modern uh, we yeah. try and find a good middle ground between that okay cool and how how did your journey evolve with with these plants i mean you must have had a starting off point i know that you've got a big passion for for fungi was it with the fungi or was it with the the plant side and um i'm, I'm asking you this question also um, for the listener who wants to now start on this journey, like where's the best place to start, you know? Definitely, definitely. Uh, so, uh, you know, you could probably get into it by gardening and by doing all of that. But for me, it was a little bit different. For me, I found it fascinating seeing all of the plants that grew on the sidewalks and yeah. all of the plants that just grew wild around us. And, in learning what those plants were and the nutritional contents and the medicinal benefits, that sort of spurred on in me uh, this desire to learn more and more about plants. Uh, and what I'm talking about is, is pioneering plants, those yeah. weeds that we see, cosmopolitan weeds, just by looking at them and figuring out that these things are actually very cool and they can mm. do a lot of good. That basically spurred on that process. I, I pushed off fungi for a long time. You did mention I love fungi. For anyone that knows me, I am absolutely mushroom mad. Okay. Uh, fascinated with mushrooms. Yeah. Um, they can do so, so much good. But for a long time, I actually pushed them off. I didn't, um, I didn't want to learn about them. For some reason, okay. I don't know. It might have been mycophobia. You know, we, we grew up as, um, as Westerners because uh, we were colonized, obviously as Westerners to have this mycophobia where we fear mushrooms that actually come mm. from the, and they pushed it all around the world as they colonized uh, Europe and all of that stuff. A lot of the indigenous people around the world don't have mycophobia, but for us, that might've been what 
uh, made me a bit fearful of mushrooms. So I pushed them off a little while, focused mainly on plants. And yeah, it just grew from, from pioneer plants into medicinal plants and then learning about our indigenous plants. Yeah. Eventually mushrooms found their way back into my heart. And now they'll never ever leave. Uh, and I think the, the cool the cool thing about um, about the the plant kingdom or about the natural kingdom is that there's so so much. Mm-hmm. All the edible fruits, all the useful trees, um, the, the things that we can use to make make things in our daily lives. There's so many ways to go about it. You can't. It's not just a one fit all for anyone. You got to find what interests you. But there's so yeah. many things that interest people, and I think for a lot of people, maybe those cosmopolitan weeds, because they are in the cities, can be a starting yes. point. Just by learning about yeah. those weeds, we can we can jump off into the huge abyss of the natural world. Yeah, and um, I mean, how how did you learn about what could and couldn't be eaten? Was it through books or through mm. people that you were following? Um, yeah, how did you educate yourself? Well, I, I didn't. Um, I didn't go to university. I've got a lot of uh, a lot of respect for someone that can go through to university and sit through to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a mission. I could have never done it. It's not in my character. I like to teach myself. I like to to learn myself. Okay. Um. So for me, uh, I picked up book after book after book. There's actually an amazing South African author. He's also a professor. His name is Ben Eric von Veek. I don't know if you're aware of him. No, um, not okay. So Ben Eric von Veek has the most amazing book series, uh, okay. full of many, many different plants. Uh, yeah, just useful plants, um, even uh, indigenous plants that people use to uh, in their daily lives for thatching or for hunting or whatever. Uh, so for me, books were absolutely crucial. I picked up book after book. I put them down. And then I would just pick them up again. And it's just by going over and reading them continuously yes. that I started in, ingraining it into my into my knowledge. I think a big part was also the the working for Ether, you know, creating our um, our different learning materials that we have online and mm-hmm. also solidified a lot. But I think for anyone that's that's interested in the natural kingdom, you don't need to run out and go and do a course. You don't need to do any of those things unless you feel compelled to definitely do them. They can do a lot of good, but just picking up a book mm. can put you on the right direction so much more than anything else. I feel like a good book uh, is is paramount to, to yeah. learning about the natural natural environment. So Ben Eric von Weyck, definitely for yes. all of your listeners, pick pick okay. up Ben Eric von Weyck. He's got quite a few plant, uh, plant books in his uh, in his library, I suppose. Yeah. And, and in terms of like identifying the right one, when it comes to the plant side of things, is it, mm, is mm. it quite obviously like that's the plant I'm looking for? Or there are lots Definitely. of lookalikes that are potentially uh, dangerous. Are you, talk, are, you, are you talking about the books or? Yeah. So, I mean, if I've got myself a book and I'm now, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, in my back garden or in a field somewhere looking for weeds, you're going to, you're likely going to choose, going to find the right thing, right? You're not going to pick up something poisonous. <laughs> So this is also a common misconception um, and it was definitely rooted in me as well. You know, everyone is so fearful about picking a poisonous plant, Mm. but you know, if you you know what a banana looks like, you've seen a banana a hundred (laughs) times. Once you know what a banana looks like, you can't unsee a banana. So for the natural kingdom, for the full plants, uh, they've got these characteristics that set them apart so, Mm. so easily that you can't misidentify them. Even if we take some like dandelion, everyone knows dandelion. Mm-hmm. Now dandelion does have some lookalikes, 
but it's yes. lookalikes are so so noticeable like if we take yeah. Katia for instance so dandelion is um it's french for don't de leon i think it is excuse, excuse my pronunciation which is the <laughs> okay. tooth of the lion so if you look right. at the dandelion leaf it's got these serrated edges yes. and it's lookalike uh, if we take Katia. Katia doesn't have serrated edges. It's got round, fluffy edges like a Katia. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a super easy way to identify the ah, difference. Okay. So once yes. you know your plant that you're looking for, even the lookalikes don't look like your plant. Uh, every single plant has its own characteristics. And to, to find something that looks identical is going to be near to impossible. Uh, right. There's always going to be telltale signs that what you found is what you found you just got to obviously put in a bit of time and this yeah. goes for fungi as well got got to put in a bit of time but once you can identify those characteristics that sets it apart it becomes like second nature and then you don't yeah. even realize i mean you can look into a field and know exactly what you're looking at 100 meters away just by yeah. the color of its leaves and how it shines in the sunlight it's wow. uh, it becomes it becomes almost second nature and this is something that i wanted to talk to you about is just getting mm. back to to our primal roots and maybe we'll go over this a bit uh, late, later on is how relearning these primal habits if you would call them this or, or the, the primal knowledge mm. uh, it, it basically gets locked away right in the the recesses of your memory and once you know it you can't unknow it it's, it's one of wow. the most amazing things to to do to learn this knowledge because yeah you could be walking on a hike across the country and you'll be able to identify 50 100 even 200 plants as you're walking and it's so so easy to do i i, I guarantee you it's are so you talking easy about plants do. that you previously wouldn't have known that you now exactly. suddenly have tapped into exactly exactly and you wow. don't uh, a lot of my friends mock me because i like to learn the, the the latin name of the plants as well but you don't need to learn the latin name i mean just the common name is is more than good enough just to you know by knowing one plant that's more than you knew before. So just mm. increasing your, your knowledge base one plant at a time is so, so beneficial. Uh, and it, it brings you so much empowerment to know what's around you, yeah. uh, just like our ancestors did. So I'd, I'd really encourage everyone to pick up a book. Ben Eric von mm. Weg is an amazing one to check out. There's also a couple others. Maybe I can send you a list and you could have it on your podcast or uh, have it available. Uh, some some good books to check out. For yeah, that would be amazing. So to kind of tap into that primal instinct it's about just getting out there and starting to explore and connect with these plants and obviously ingest them too um and then does that become like a bit of a chain reaction definitely definitely and it takes um it takes a bit of time definitely does it's not going to happen overnight yeah after seeing um let's just go back to dandelion after seeing dandelion 10 20 times it gets ingrained into your memory so it's not going to be an overnight thing but by going out and spending the time in nature and um, taking a book with you a field guide with you every single time you do it just slowly starts to tap away and and break away at the at at ingraining it into your mind so Mm. definitely I would encourage everyone to do it. It's, it's an amazing practice. It also stills the mind. It's good for, mm. for your body. It's good for exercise. It's, uh, it's such a cool thing to do as well, to know what's growing around you. Do you know much about the whole uh, like plant dieta, um, which you often hear in the kind of shamanic practice where you'll take a plant for X amount of days, maybe 30 days, you'll ingest it to um, hopefully start taking on a bit of the plant intelligence um is that something you've experienced and and is that something you also recommend to deepen that that connection with the plants 
Dev, definitely. So it's um, it's something I don't always do, uh, okay. but it's it's a good practice to get into, especially. Um, you, you know, I don't consume large amounts if um, if I don't need to. So if, right. say, for instance, I'm out in a forest and I'm walking, this applies quite a bit to fungi because I'm fascinated with fungi, but plants mm. as well. What you could just do is take off a little bit of the plant. You don't need to take the whole plant, but just a little bit of the plant and chew it while you're walking through the forest. Oh, uh, nice. It will also help you to identify the tastes and the smells and the aroma in terms of imparting uh, knowledge or imparting some of the benefits uh, i can definitely see that you know i consume quite a bit of reishi uh, and reishi is a phenomenal medicinal mushroom that grows absolutely abundantly in the area that we're in Mm. and just by consuming a little bit of reishi every time i go into the forest definitely stills your mind brings about that calmness and that peace like a reishi mushroom an ancient reishi mushroom would it uh, it definitely could so uh, first and foremost i'd I'd like to encourage everyone to consume edible weeds definitely do it there's so many benefits to them but also uh just you know you don't have to eat a whole salad bowl full of them you can also just be in the forest and chew on one leaf munch on one leaf pick a (laughs) berry from a tree uh just feel feel that feel that connectedness walking through a forest with your arms outstretched picking things from the vines Mm. and uprooting things from the earth it's such a liberating such a an empowering feeling Uh, it's, it's one of the best feelings ever Definitely beats uh, um, clicking on a few buttons on the on the internet to have your food delivered <laughs> to your your door. <laughs> as convenient as that might be, I, I love the sound of and the picture that you're busy um, painting there. It looks amazing. Nice. And what we've been talking about here is foraging, right? Um, foraging, and, yeah. And you've already tapped, uh, touched on a couple of the kind of benefits apart from you know deepening our, our knowledge of the plants and and the nutritional benefits that they may have, but there's also a psychological benefit to it too. In our one of our previous chats when we just checked in, um, you also spoke about like wild food hunting. And uh, how would you describe the difference between hunt, like <laughs> wild food hunting and foraging? Well, well let's, let's quickly just um, tackle that, that quickly. Uh, so yeah. when, when I mean hunting, I'm not uh, quite referring to hunting animals or anything like that. Just yeah, for, no, for, for sure. anyone, anyone listening, um, yeah, yeah. Th- there's, there's quite a difference between foraging and hunting. And I suppose I'm going to try and do my best to explain it to your listeners, but Mm -hmm. you've got to feel it yourself to understand what I'm talking about now. So Mm. um, foraging, the way that I like to think of it is going through, you know where the plants are because you've been through the forest before, you've seen them, you know where they are growing, and you can basically take your basket with you and you go and take some snippings from this plant and some uh, leaves from this one and some fruit from this one and you pop it into your basket like adam and eve did and you walk yeah. back to the house and there you've got your your forage or your wild plants that you've just brought back i mean that's an amazing thing to do i would encourage mm-hmm. everyone to do that uh, it's such a such a cool thing to do wild food hunting is a completely different experience it's one of mm-hmm. the, the the coolest feelings ever and the way i like to paint this picture is basically tapping into like a fifth sense or a, uh, a primal knowledge inside of yourself. So the first time this happened to me, uh, it was so, so wonderful. So I, I was actually walking through the forest looking for reishi mushrooms. And uh, so I was out in the forest and I was basically looking through and I couldn't find any reishis for the life of me. 
I looked everywhere. I looked high. I looked low. I could not find them. And I basically had this idea of maybe let's try and integrate into the into the plan a little bit. Let's try and feel it out. Let's try and be a bit uh, a, a bit of a wild child, if, if I can yeah. say that. Yeah. What I did was I I basically closed my eyes and I opened up all of my senses, and I like to think of it as sort of like a fifth sense, mm. where you use everything that you've got, all of the senses that you've got to find what you need. And what I would do is I would sit there, and after about five minutes, the smell started to waft through the air. Sure. And I don't know if you've ever smelled reishi mushroom before. I don't. No, not okay, so, like that. <laughs> okay, so reishi mushroom is—it's got this this beautiful, dense forest smell to it. It smells like a yeah. like a. It's just—it's unmatched. It's one of the best yeah. smells ever. And the spores have the same smell, but in much much higher quantities. So what I can only imagine is that the spores were dropping down out of this reishi mushroom, filling up the air, and I'd smelt them. Mm. So what I did, because I still couldn't see this reishi mushroom, what I did, like a like a bit of a, a bloodhound, was I used <laughs> my nose yeah. to basically find this reishi mushroom. So I smelt it for a little while, and eventually I got to this clump of trees where I couldn't get through. So I had to get onto my belly and crawl through the forest uh, on my hands and knees, smelling where this reishi mushroom was. And eventually I found it, and I stretched out my arm and broke it off of the tree. Wow. My my senses had led me to this reishi mushroom and that will stick with me forever. I still yeah. do it to this day. If if I'm in the forest, you try and open up all of your senses, smell, mm. and I'm not a, a wizard at this at all. I mean, I'm still learning how to do this. Mm. Um, mindfulness is a, a relatively new practice in, in my life at the moment. And I, I think anyone can learn this. It's just about uh, reteaching yourself. Like we mm. said earlier, these things are built yeah. into us. So yeah. yeah, every time I go out into the forest, I use my whiffer and yeah. I basically feel it out. Also watch for different things. If you look through the forest, if we just take ratio again, for instance, you can actually see the spores floating uh, through the air. If there's really? quite a big cloud, if you, if there's quite a big cloud of them, sure. or what you can actually do is see on trees where spores have fallen. And then you okay. know that a mushroom is close by uh, yes. for plants. You can actually see. So for instance, if you're walking, everyone, it's, it's such a funny thing, but if you're walking through a forest, you generally look straight ahead or you look at your feet, but you don't actually mm. take notes of what's around you. So a, a amazing practice that you can do is when you're looking at your feet, if you're walking over something, look actually what's around your feet. And many, many times I've found fruits and just by looking at your feet, you see a fruit laying there, you know that fruit is just above you. So you look up and there's a fruit tree and you can go and harvest some wild plums for, for some food. So I think just being aware is the biggest part, just being aware of nature and tapping into that. Because a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this, um, we just pass through life never taking account or never actually coming back to our body. It's sort of like, you know, if you're driving, and you drive, 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 and then 20 minutes later, you're like, oh, my God, what have I just been doing for the last 20 minutes? Yeah, who's driving this car? <laughs> and no one likes to hear it because we're all so proud, and I'm yeah. guilty of this. We do our whole lives like that, and then we we realize only afterwards that we have been asleep. You know, So just actually being aware, being present <laughs> is such a good thing. And in a forest, it's the best thing to do. Uh, the Japanese actually have a, a word for it. I can't remember it now, but it's basically forest bathing. Shinran Yuku. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So you go in 
and you actually you you gain uh, empowerment and knowledge and you gain much better bodily function just by being in the forest breathing the fresh air it's uh, it's yeah. definitely it's a necessary thing I, what would be nice is if we could uh get this onto our actual healthcare system you know if you can get discovery yes. to pay medical aid to pay for a week in the forest i think that would yeah. be so beneficial for everyone well it's happening in some countries eh so it's uh, hopefully only a matter of time we'll see i mean i think the science is um the science to prove what you've just said is is increasing all the time. So um, yeah, hopefully it's it's not long. Or well, I'm certainly hoping that it's it's going to be that way. Yeah, let's fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. You know, it's it's something that I've been working on a lot uh, in the last couple of years. Is whenever I I don't know leave work or the house to go out into nature, whether it's for mm. a walk on the beach or with the dogs or um, in the forest, mountain, whatever is to just stop yeah. when I leave the car. Before I start my mission into wherever it is I am, I just stop for 30 seconds just to take a few deep breaths and to allow myself to leave the car and now go into the forest because otherwise I do exactly what, what you've just said, which is that I end up going for a half an hour walk and um, I get to the end and I'm like, I am actually haven't unwound at all from the day. Completely. Um, in fact, I might have even got more stressed about something <laughs> because my mind was still going, you know? Exactly, um, man. So, yeah, such an important process. Definitely. It's just about rewiring that. Like you, it uh, took just a few seconds to get out of your car and actually stop. And yeah. it doesn't have to take a long time, you know, doing a body scan and figuring out what's going on in your body. Uh, that takes literally 20 seconds. It doesn't have to be a long process. So yeah. by doing that, you can do so much good uh, instead of going through the process uh, and and having all of these negative things because you haven't let go of what you were carrying before you entered the forest. Uh, yeah. And you never know, you might uh, smell some amazing mushrooms or notice plants you never did before. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what, what is your go-to practice? When you, is, it, is it a body scan or is it just kind of like activating? You said activating your senses. Like, how do you how do, you do that? Or is it a, an intuitive process that you have? No, no. So I think definitely a body scan is okay. first and foremost. Uh, check, check what's going on in your body. Do those deep breathing exercises. doesn't have to be a long thing, like a minute. Just breathe into, yeah. slow your mind. Uh, just like meditation, just yes. slow your mind. Um, I, I realized I, I wasn't doing it before, um, or I, I was, but it was subconscious. But you can have much greater effect if you're actually conscious of it and you actually slow your mind and you be present in the moments. Mm. Um, I've known, like, like yourself, where I've gone into the forest and I haven't been present and I just won't find what I'm looking for, or I won't get the, the enjoyment out of it. So I think for me, definitely slowing down, doing a body scan, feel what's going on in your body, release any tension, do those breathing exercises, actually still your mind, and then go mm. in. When you get into the forest, don't just walk on the forest. Like, don't just mm. go. Because often we do, like, you, you take it as a hike, and mm. once you get onto that path, then you're thinking about the end of the hike. It's like, where I need to get to the end of this hike and that's my exercise done or whatever, you know? Yeah. Instead of just going, like take a second, listen to the birds, listen to the crickets, listen to the, the insects and actually try and isolate them. This is something that I do, try and isolate. Okay, there's an insect. What insect is that and where is it? Like in mm. my periphery. And once you do that, you can start to, to better understand your senses and 
use them better as well. So I think just slowing down before you start your hike is the best way to yeah. do it and actually listen to what's going on around you. Feel mm. what's going on around you. Like our feet are constantly touching the floor, but we don't actually feel that floor. Yeah. Just go with actually feel the floor, feel what it feels like. And yeah. don't get me wrong, I'm still learning this myself, but yes. it, it comes so naturally to human beings. Mm. And once people feel it, they can't unfeel it. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool thing. I would definitely encourage people to practice mindfulness when they go into the forest. Yeah. Mindful foraging. Um, Mindful could, foraging, exactly. It could be amazing. Um, so tell me, when you're in the forest, are you are you barefoot or from pra for practical reasons, is it better to be wearing shoes? Uh, yeah, yeah. So if I'm if I'm walking on a route that I know, okay. and uh, I'm not going to be doing any like wild bundu bashing, definitely barefoot <laughs> is is one of the best ways to do it. Um, you can also, I mean, you could you could power through. I hiked Skeleton Gorge completely barefoot the one time. It was so yeah. wonderful. And mm. didn't get one thorn, didn't get one rock or anything like that. So you could definitely do it if, if mm. you if you want to hike barefoot. I would encourage you. There's only positives to doing that. Yes. But um, yeah, if, if I'm going into an area that I don't know, uh, especially here where we are, there's quite a bit of snakes all around. I'm sure because okay. there's everywhere, but it's quite a few snakes. So just um, putting on some good hiking shoes, some nice long pants, especially if I'm going to be walking through a fault to get to some black wattle tree to go and see what's yeah. growing around it. So okay. it's just about being aware, I think, planning out your, your hike um, beforehand. Yeah. Taking the necessary tools, just like you would with anything else, just planning out beforehand. Uh, okay. And if, you, if you're brave enough, do barefoot. Definitely do barefoot when you can, as much yes. as possible. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so we've kind of um, covered the foraging, and um, I think we'll definitely reference the, the Ben Eric van Veek book. Um, and thanks for that description of the, the wild food hunting. Um, I'm glad that you told this story because it's absolutely fascinating, and I, awesome, I, want, to give it, I want to give it a go. Um, what I'd like to maybe touch on um, is the fungi and, and just what it is exactly that you find so fascinating about them. Yeah, I think um, fungi have always received a bad rap. They've always gotten yeah. a bad rap. I don't know. It's, I don't know what happened. Maybe they upset someone in the past and that grudge has always been held. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a funny one, but something we can't deny and something mm. that science is verifying time and time again, is that they have been there since the very beginning. Sure. Since the dawn of time, fungi has been there. Um, mm. And they might have not had the, the overwhelming amount of genuses that they do at the moment. Their family tree wasn't as big, but they've always been there. And they were integral for the development of our planet. Mm. So they were there terraforming with bacteria and with all these other things, terraforming this planet. So they know how this planet runs and they know wow. to live in harmony with this planet. And I mm. think... A big point of my fascination with them is their absolute, like, broad range of benefits and uses and just intelligence. They've got so, so much intelligence. It's just the, the overwhelming scope of what fungi are mm. just fascinates me. Plants are wonderful. Like, plants are next level. I love yeah, plants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I find a good plant, like ashwagandha is like my, yeah. one of my favorite plants, but there's just something about fungi. So if you take, for instance, we here on 
in, in Hugo where we live, um, it's part of a nature conservancy. Uh, just a quick story, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, so, please go for it. Um, so it's, it's a nature conservancy. And, you know, as human beings, we, we think we're doing right all the time. We're trying to help nature. If we have good intentions, we, we're trying to help nature. So what's happened here in the Nature Conservancy is a lot of the invasive tree species have been cut and then painted with this blue paint. I think they call it kaputz or something like that. It's basically mm -hmm. a, um, a terrible, terrible, terrible toxin that goes in and kills the tree so that the invasive conquer again. Definitely, yeah. we're trying to do good. But in turn, we're doing so much harm. Like we had this uh, toxin actually run off and kill some fish in the river, do all of these oh, terrible things. Geez. I won't go too much into detail. Yeah, but yeah. Recently, I've gone back to some of the trees that have been uh, painted with this, this substance and generally nothing would survive. Mm. But this amazing fungus has broken through. It's called Schizophyllum commune. It's the split gill fungus. Okay. And what this mushroom has done is actually learned how to live in harmony with this toxin. So if you know anything about mushrooms, mushrooms are incredibly intelligent. They can eat so many different food sources. Basically, a quick science lesson. Um, yeah. When, when mycelium is growing, which is the vegetative mechanism of, of the fungi, it's got all these points, all these uh, fingers stretching out mm. into an environment. We call them hyphal tips. And each hyphal tip is going out into an environment, discovering a new food source, and then coding for new DNA sequences to digest that food source. So what yeah. this, this mushroom has done is it's gone into this pathogen, this toxin inside of this tree trunk, discovered it, and being like, eh, you don't bother me. I'm going to code for a new DNA sequence and digest you. Like, how wow. insane is that? Like, yeah, that's, that's so remarkable. I mean, we yeah. can touch on the medicinal benefits, the life-changing benefits, the um, enlightenment benefits. There's so many cool things about fungi. They're definitely not a one-fix-all, but they mm. are, they're up there with the coolest things on this planet, uh, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, I mean, that, that, um, that learning that you're describing is that the same or is it different to that whole, uh, what's it, micro, mycorrhizal network? Is that, It's a similar thing, well, right? Yeah, or, so, so, so mycelium would, if you're talking about a mycorrhizal network, mycelium yeah. underneath the ground, so mycorrhizal, yes. myco means mushroom or fungi, rhizal means root. So okay. all mycorrhizal is, is the subterranean fungi that grow underneath the ground. Yes. And they would basically attach onto root systems. You either get endo or ectomycorrhizal, depending on if they go into the root structure or out, um, forming a hearted net. But basically, that that mycorrhizal fungi will transfer nutrients from tree to tree, and in turn, for doing these this nutrient transfer, uh, they will receive sugars from the tree to say thank you for for payment. Yeah. Um, what I was discovering uh, describing that that. Um, that coding of new DNA sequences, that's an automatic response in all fungi. Okay. Going out, be it mycorrhizal, saprophytic, or parasitic, when they discover a new food source, they code for new DNA, which is so cool. So they can basically restructure their DNA, secrete enzymes to digest this new food source they've just discovered, mm. and then chomp it, uh, which is very, very cool. I think that's, that's only one of the cool things. I mean, we could have talks and talks for hours on mushrooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. how fascinating they are. And and they and uh, we're still learning more and more about them all the time, right? I mean, from medicinal Definitely. and from a sustainable and restorative angle. Definitely. South so Africa, much. exactly. And South Africa is a hotbed at the moment for mushrooms because our um, 
our discovery of mushrooms in South Africa is quite far behind. Okay. Uh, we we've, we haven't discovered many uh, species in South Africa. I mean, there's so, so many different species worldwide. And South mm. Africa hasn't even scratched the surface yet. So we could have, I mean, if you just take our, our plant biodiversity in South Africa, mm. we get yeah. some of the most powerful plants on this planet that grow here. Things that don't grow anywhere else in the world that grow yeah. here. Uh, like cancer bush, for instance, an amazingly powerful medicine. Imagine what fungi we have here as well. I think uh, there's so much untouched potential stored mm. in South Africa. This is a magical, I don't know what you believe, Mike, but yeah, 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 this yeah. is absolutely spectacular. South Africa has this this magic to it. I mean, it's the cradle mm. of humankind. Yeah. That must mean something. This is a special, special place. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Hey? And um, that's kind of also... What I mean from a certain point of view, just right at the beginning when I mentioned about the ancient energy um, in Hugga Hugga, but but also mm. here in Cape Town, even in the city here, there's something special about the energy. And um, sometimes people find that a bit woohoo to say, but it's I feel yeah. it and I think and I think it's true, you know, <laughs> and then you can go on to what, what you're talking about, which is the biodiversity and and all of that um, that it has to offer. You know, we haven't even discovered half of it. Um, well, almost sorry, if, if yeah, you don't yeah. mind, uh, I love stories. So just on, on that subject of, um, of, of power in South Africa. So we often think of South Africa as the cradle of humankind, but there's also something else that was quite interesting that was recently discovered um, just off the coast of the Northern Cape okay. uh, in a formation called the Ongeluk Formation, just off the coast. It, it's thus far the oldest fossil in the world that we know of, um, well, oldest mushroom fossil, fungal fossil, basically a mycelium network, a primitive mycelium network discovered in Southern Africa. Wow. Before anything else. I, I've got the day. I mean, it's millions and millions of years old. It is so, so old. It's one of the oldest, if not the oldest fossilized thing that we've got. It's, it's remarkable. Wow. Um, it's really, really cool. And in South Africa. So that Jeez. must say something. We, we're a special yeah, yeah, place. Yeah. I, I know <laughs> that's maybe patriotism too much, but um, yeah. I, I've got this funny feeling about South Africa. It's, it's, a, it's definitely got something to it. Yeah. No, I've, I've also got some other beliefs about it, which we'll maybe save for another conversation. But um, yeah. it's, there's, there's something special about it, no doubt. It, and it's not, it's not to say that um, it's also not a challenging place to live sometimes. But sure, uh, sure. But I think that also adds to to the magic in a in a strange in a strange way. Definitely, <laughs> um, definitely. So so tell me, um, in terms of all these medicinal plants that we have available and um, and the different fungi, uh, for anyone out there that's that's either new to this or is just wanting to um, make sure they've got the, the the best stuff available, like what would your top three? Um, if you're able to choose only three <laughs> um, <laughs> medicinal plants or or these pioneer plants, or actually just start let's start with the like kind of more mediciney stuff. Um, so Medicine either the herbs stuff. or the or the fungi, what should everyone have like in their cupboard? Definitely, definitely. Well, I, I mean, I I could list so so many, but I think mm. on on this conversation we're talking about the brilliance of South Africa and what we can get here in South Africa. Yeah, it's natural. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's maybe let's uh, rein it down even more and say indigenous, the okay. best indigenous things that people could keep in their cupboard. And it would actually be the things that I would recommend regardless. The fact yeah. that they grow here is just such a positive. 
okay. um, so without a doubt that ratio that we spoke about earlier mm-hmm. uh, it's like next level so reishi has been used all around the world for many many hundreds of years um, in South Africa something strange is going on uh, it's it's so so abundant so in China where this mushroom was revered it would mm. grow on about one in every 10,000 plum trees really which is wow. ridiculous um, here in South Africa so a plum tree, a fruit tree is a hardwood species. Now in China, they've got really amazing deciduous trees and some really phenomenal conifers, but hard trees are a little bit scarce, hardwood trees. Now in South Africa, we get so many hardwood species. Yeah. All of our acacias, all of that. But I think because of that, that allows reishi to absolutely run rampant. So I've just discovered, I mean, just doing a quick survey in a hundred square meters, you can find over 50 reishi mushrooms growing. They are so abundant. So they're here for us for a reason. Mm -hmm. They are in abundance, they're highly medicinal. They're being researched all around the country, all around the world for all sorts of disorders, um, cancer included. A lot of research going into cancer. It's actually the most researched mushroom in the world. But for, for us as a preventative, it's one of the best for upregulating immunity for warding off long-term degenerative disorders, just making better humans. I mean, it, it helps with cardiovascular health and liver health and mm-hmm. relaxation and anxiety. It's just a good all-rounder and it's, it's a potent tonic. So you can use it uh, over a long period of time. So I definitely uh, recommend Reishi. First reishi, and foremost, yeah. reishi. everyone should be on Reishi. Okay. It will change your life. But then to keep it South African, uh, maybe my next favorite would be ashwagandha are you familiar with ashwagandha yeah yeah i i remember i still i still commented on um your recent post which i really loved by the way um of you out foraging and showing us what a wild ashwagandha looked like to be honest Amazing. i didn't actually know that we had them in south africa um and then i still i asked you the question well can we get them in cape town and you said yes you can yeah yeah so um Actually, they do grow in Cape Town. They're not as prolific, but you can, okay. well, you can grow them in Cape Town. There are every now and again uh, weeds growing all over because it is a weed. It's absolutely rampant, especially here in the Eastern Cape. Ashwagandha okay. is everywhere. It's, mm. um, it's actually been used by indigenous, indigenous people for quite a few hundred years as well. They call it Ubuvimbo. And what baffles my mind is as a nation, we import. Um, Roughly, I think it's 4,000 tons of ashwagandha into the country a, a year, yeah. which blows my mind. We import it from Vedic countries like Pakistan yes. and India. Now, this is ridiculous because we get a South African variant here. Um, it's also with somnifera, but I think it's going to be su- subsected into like an Africanum species because it is different. So it actually has bigger leaves, okay. grows much stronger roots. Uh, and because of that, it can grow much quicker. It's much more drought hardy. Uh, this is a weed, so it literally grows rampant. If you leave it in your garden, uh, you got to be careful because this thing will drop seeds everywhere. And then you've got ashwagandha that you won't know what to do with. And now science has also verified that our South African species have actually more withanolides. So withanolides are those uh, phenomenal medicinal compounds with a somnine and with a ferrin being like the really potent ones. Our mm-hmm. variants has much higher concentrations Jeez. than the Vedic types. So why wouldn't we use a South African variant? Yeah. Uh, so ashwagandha, amazing adaptogen, increasing energy, lean muscle mass production, um, sexual drive, 
balancing hormones. It's good for men and for women. It's it's literally also one of my favorites. I love, love, love ashwagandha. And it's such a good tasting herb as well that you yeah. can add it in almost anything. Um, so I definitely recommend that. Okay. The roots are, are next level, definitely. Yes. And then fin- finally, another one, um, if I can only choose three, three, like I said, I would choose so many. I mean, there's so many. Uh, but we could always have another chat about them. Third okay. and final, um, you think about this. Perhaps, perhaps go to cola. Are you familiar with go to cola? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So go to cola um, for all the listeners is um, it's called Centella asiatica. Uh, it also grows in Vedic countries in India. It's actually called Southern Brahmi. Uh, Northern Brahmi is by Copa Monieri, so this is Southern Brahmi, and this plant if i said ashwagandha was a weed this plant is like insane don't i actually recommend people not to plant this because oh, really? it will just it will grow everywhere and it will not stop growing if you're sure. not consuming this thing daily it will literally just take over <laughs> okay. um, it's so prolific and when i say ashwagandha and, and goji cola like when i mean weeds like a weed in in the city you don't need to water it you don't need to tend it. You actually shouldn't. It will actually discourage it. It can go weeks and weeks without water. These things are so hardy. Now, go to cola. Like I said, grows so so rampant. The other two herbs that we've mentioned are more for like preventative, body focused, mm-hmm. uh, increasing immunity, helping with energy. Go to cola is more for the mind. So something okay. to help with long-term degenerative disorders of the mind. So like dementia and Alzheimer's, there's some really phenomenal research going into go to cola for dementia and Alzheimer's. Yeah. Um, it's also has been used in China as a longevity tonic. Uh, it's, it's so, it's, it's a good one, but it's mainly focused around um, nervous system and brain health so definitely that would be a necessary one especially like in the modern world we're seeing a lot of people struggling with with brain health is the is the goto cola available in south africa i mean wild it's a weed it grows rampant all over the country all over the country probably seen it a hundred times and not even realized it just like if we take for instance you know you know those little devil doing the the devil thorns that you kept on as a kid you know that terrible terrible thing yeah that's called Gokshura. It's tribulus terrestris, and that's a weed. It grows rampant as well. The little mm. thorns, you can grind them up. The thorn is actually the fruit, and that's a phenomenal, phenomenal men's health tonic. Uh, so a lot of these that we, well, in our company, a lot of the things that we do are actually, we refer to them as weeds, but the true name is pioneering plants. Yes. Plants that go in and and basically um, replenish the soil with, with nutrients. They grow rapidly. They don't need any care or anything mm-hmm. like that. So go to cola would be one of them. Okay. Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, Durban, well, the whole of KZN, whole of the Eastern Cape, even down your guys' side in the Western Cape, yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. that go to cola grows there as well. Okay. I've actually seen it a couple of times. So I know it does grow there actually. Okay. Well, um, yeah, it's, it's a cool one to know. Oh, well, I must check it out. So, um, so next time I stand on a devil thorn, I'm instead of going, Oh, I'm going to go, woohoo. And I'm going to pick yeah. it up and, and grind it up. Well, you- <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Or you can go yum. Yum. <laughs> yum. So, <laughs> Classic. Yeah. yeah, so it's, it's a cool, cool one to know. Okay, good. Uh, so so the ashwagandha and the gotakola are weeds and they're very prolific. So I guess when it comes to foraging practices, there's not too much to worry about there. But what about other plants 
and potentially fungi that that aren't as um, common are there some uh, like best practices to follow when foraging wild foods that's like like i don't know some some top ones that people should everyone should be aware of Definitely, definitely. There's a there's a handful of them that you just want to be aware of. Obviously, mm. permission is the the biggest thing. Um, okay. Yeah. So uh, you just want to, if you're going to be harvesting on someone's property, or you are going to be harvesting in um, sort of uh, common area, just get permission from the the building owner or from the person that that owns the land. That's just the that's just the formality. You should do that just to be courteous. You know, just yes. so that you're not taking something that perhaps they are growing for some reason. Yeah. Um, just be aware of that. I think that's the biggest thing. That's first and foremost. But then there are things that you can do to mitigate your damage, mm-hmm. um, to help to actually be more prolific and to actually <coughs> increase the um, the seed dispersal and the uh, proliferation of the species in the, in the immediate environment. Yeah. So let's maybe start with that. So I think if you are going to be harvesting something, uh, say, for instance, it's the the leaves that you need to take. You're not going to take all of the leaves off of the plant because the plant yeah. needs its solar panels to photosynthesize. Yeah. So just be aware of how much you take. We always like to advise if you are going to be taking from a, a small plant, it's one third. Take one third. That's more than enough than what you need. Um, if it's a bigger plant, I mean, one third will be so, so much. So <laughs> yeah. try, try and keep leaf harvesting to one third. That's what okay. we like to advise people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for roots, if you're going to be harvesting a root from a species, check for um, for that same species. If there's quite a few of that same species in the area, then definitely you can harvest the root. So if we take African potato, for instance, which grows here where we are as well, Hypoxus yeah. hemorrhoidea is its name. Um, I'll always just check in the immediate, immediate surroundings if there's one or two other plants. If there are, then there's no issue for me to, uphar- to harvest the roots. Yeah. The cool thing that I want to try and just put forward to everyone is that we aren't separate to nature. We, yes. we can't keep thinking of ourselves as above or uh, removed from. Uh, these things are there for us and we're there for them. So mm-hmm. by harvesting, if a, thing is, if a plant is in seed, shake those seeds, transport mm-hmm. them around, go and plant them, do those things because then the next season you can have more. Um, mm-hmm. You'll be helping the plant and the plant is helping you. This is how it has occurred for millennia and millennia to remove ourselves from this only is detrimental. we being detrimental to the plants or being detrimental to ourselves because we could be getting this amazing medicine. So be aware, see what's in the area and then help with proliferation. So Mm -hmm. say for instance, it's um, African potato, like we're just discussing, what you could do is then harvest the root, cut it in half because it can actually reproduce from a half, put some of it back and then take what you need. You don't need to take huge amounts to make Mm -hmm. medicine or make food. Just take what you need. And then put the rest back or spread its seed somewhere else. I think that's a good point to know for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think um, when it comes to fungi, they're a little bit different. So fungi, we can harvest fungi if we take reishi again or turkey tail, a polypore, something that mm. grows off of the tree. I'm sure many of your listeners have seen mushrooms growing off of trees. Yeah. If you want to harvest a mushroom off of the tree, what you can do is just make sure that its spores have dropped. So if you look underneath at the spore pad, be it the gills or the the the, the pores underneath, you'll actually see it goes from white to brown gradually. 
Um, if the mushroom has dropped its spores, then you can harvest it. It's no longer necessary for reproduction. You can just take that mushroom off. You can use it. All the spores are in the environment. You've done your job. Um, by actually taking the mushroom while you're walking, you can drop off some of the spores. You can shake it around in other areas. So you could actually be doing a lot more good um, okay. just with your harvesting. I want to encourage everyone to harvest. Don't not harvest because someone says, well, you're doing bad for the environment. This is complete hogwash. It's really mm. complete hogwash be mindful be yes. mindful of what you take and be mindful of how you take it so yeah don't take if you don't need uh, and only take what you need exactly don't take more than what you need exactly. Um, exactly cool man well i'm i'm super excited to to take my foraging to the next level um easy yeah man i didn't realize we had um some of those other plants growing right here i, I mean do you know if there's anyone starting to farm ashwagandha? I mean, if it's something that's so yes. easy to grow, yeah? Yeah, so we, we farm ashwagandha. So we actually farm quite a few. So about um, so at the moment, it's probably about 60%, but we, okay. we are increasing that that um, that number. So we've actually just bought a farm now, a 25 active farm in our area, which we're very, very excited about. Okay. Uh, I don't know how we got it because it's got no invasive species on it. It's got no weeds. It's got no nothing. Um, it's got an indigenous forest and a waterfall. It's absolutely breathtaking. And we're going to wow. we're gonna have it open to the public so people can come and they can stay on the farm. But anyways, we, we currently are growing a lot of these species ourselves and we will okay. be increasing production from next year quite nice. drastically. Uh, so ashwagandha, we do grow um, at the moment. Okay. We, we, probably, we don't turn out a lot of it, but probably about like 200 kilograms uh, a year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that will that will increase quite drastically from next year. But that's I mean that's still a lot. Eh? I mean it's a potent plant as you said, so it's, you don't need to use it, a lot. And there, there's so many other ones as well. So many other indigenous plants that people can just go and harvest. Um, yeah, there's there's some really wonderful things to keep an eye out for. All right, uh, so we've covered the top three um, to have in your in your cupboard. From your explanation, I guess the ashwagandha and the goat cola you actually don't want necessarily in your garden because they, they could just take over. No, no, uh, no. <laughs> so, so maybe I was being a bit zealous there. So you can definitely have them in your garden. Just, okay. Um, so you could easily weed them out and you can have them in your garden. You just got to be aware of it. So it's like, like nasturtium, you know, how quickly nasturtium mm. grows and drops yeah, seeds. Yeah, yeah. Just got to be aware of them. So if they, if okay. they start to become a bit rampant, just uh, take them out, grind them up, make a powder out of them. And then you get to go, uh, they, they're not going to grow into your house and through your window, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. they are, they're going to be much easier to grow than, um, than another species like echinacea, for instance, uh, which is a little bit more, um, finicky just using that as an example these yeah. are literal weeds pioneer plants they need no nourishment they need no uh, water they need nothing they will just go 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 so yeah. that's generally what we mean by that is okay. they're gonna they're gonna become um they're gonna fill up your garden within no time okay all right cool uh well what I would like to do is, is definitely direct um, the listeners through to your website, um, to Thanks, some man. of your amazing uh, resources that you've, you've created. Those eBooks are amazing. I've downloaded each one of them. Um, I've been through, uh, I've been through them, but I haven't like soaked in all the information yet, uh, but there's so much detail 
um, mm. with all the things we've been talking about, the pioneer plants, the herbs, the fungi. So um, we'll definitely include a link and like, well done. And thanks so much for making that available. Definitely. Would you mind if I touch on it just for the listeners? Just so that they're aware? Yeah, yeah. Because I wanted to ask you about the project that you're working on now as well. But Well, well quickly, I'll, I'll go through them quickly just so that yeah. everyone is. So, um, yeah. So when I was actually saying that there are so many other plants available mm. to wild harvest, um, our company has basically been built on two pillars. The one is to provide really amazing medicine, phenomenal medicine that we're proud of, really yeah. good extracts. And the other is about increasing knowledge. So as you can tell, I'm absolutely in awe of the natural world. And I want to get people excited about the natural world as well. So uh, the second pillar, increasing knowledge. Uh, I've actually written or compiled three books thus far. Mm -hmm. We have them completely free of charge on our website. You don't have to pay money for them because learning about the natural world shouldn't cost you an arm and a leg, you know. So they're completely free of charge on the website. You can download them and they have medicinal plants and mushrooms the history the myths and legends about them um, and also the most up-to-date scientific research on them as well a lot of those plants being um, indigenous plants to our local areas so people Mm -hmm. can learn about those medicinal plants but then we've also got one which i'm very proud of which is called edible weeds and pioneer plants Uh, it's a very very cool book because it touches on Literally, I think it's, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's 50 edible weeds and pioneer plants that grow in our immediate surroundings. So if you walk out of the front door, you could probably found, find at least 10 of these. Yeah. And it goes into depth on the identification of them, um, the nutritional content of them, how they stack up to things like spinach. So if we take amaranth, for instance, like amaranth is so much more nutritious than spinach amaranth leaves and it will actually give you a breakdown of that as well and it covers like 50 different plants um there's so so many but yes to touch on what you were just alluding to my new book which i'm doing which is a love child i mean it's it's something that i've been wanting to do for quite a while but because we're running a business uh, it's it's taken a bit of a backseat i'm busy working on it at the moment and will be out relatively soon but it's basically it's it's a guide to the fruits of Southern Africa. Mm. So many people aren't even aware of the amounts of delicious edible fruits that we get in our forests. Yeah. Uh, everyone immediately gravitates towards apples and pears and plums and all of those cool things, but they aren't indigenous. They aren't our natural plants that have grown here for hundreds of years. So this yeah. book will touch on, um, I think it's like over 60 different fruits that you can find in the forest. Um, not all of them are going to be the tastiest, but it's cool to know them because if you're yes. ever in the forest and you need some nourishment, they're going to be there. So some weird and wonderful, wacky things. Um, okay. And they're going to be so easy to identify. So that book is going to be free of charge as well. It's about sure. increasing the knowledge, getting people excited by being yeah. back in there. Okay, man. Well, yeah, it's, uh, as I said, I've downloaded them all and I can see that you put a lot of work into it. Um, so it's, I just, yeah, it's incredible that you're making you, it free of charge. And then I also just love the style. I love, I love the style of, of your branding and then your company. Thank so you. It's, really <laughs> it's, cool. very kind. it's different. You know? you. It's awesome. So with the, with the fruits, I mean, um, is this now something that you've also just, you're learning from, from books or have you also been talking to people and learning about, uh, yeah. Definitely. So we, it's, not, it's not all from books. So it, it started out books. Um, yeah. 
but because we are very privileged, I mean, we are in an amazing area and because we run our own business, we've got a lot of time. I mean, Rix is still doing a part-time work as well. She's doing something else, but she's, it's allowed me lots and lots of free time to mm-hmm. um, expand my knowledge. Absolutely. So, so, so grateful. And we're trying yeah. to use our privilege to try and educate people. So this time that I've had has been spent reading, but then also speaking to locals, traveling all around, um, speaking about the different things that they use so that we can put it into a book so that people can know about it. So it's not just reading. I would say maybe 60 to 70% is reading and then also speaking to locals about it, speaking to people that know about different things. Um, Yeah, lots and lots of research, lots of research. Cool, man. All right. So um, is there anything else you'd like to touch on in terms of the business and and what you guys are up to? Um, I did actually pick up somewhere along the line that you were looking at doing a bit of a brand update. Um, Yeah, so we we are in the process. We're updating our branding. Everything is changing over. Our website is a little bit outdated. Yeah, maybe it's a bit of a problem of mine. I need to learn how to sit still a little bit, but... um, yeah, I wanna, um, we're busy redoing quite a few th- things in our business. It's to tie in with our new farm that we were acquiring. Yes. So we want to make sure that everything is easy to, to access. Um, so there will be a bit of a brand change, um, nothing too drastic, just a bit of a, a more professional look. Um, yeah, we are, we've just taken on new staff. So we've mm-hmm. got four regional managers for all the major provinces. So that's Cape Town, Johannesburg, Pretoria, and KZN. So yeah. our products are going to be in many, many, many stores all around the country. Um, yeah, I think uh, some some cool things happening. We are we've started a project now on Instagram where we're going to be doing video teaching on these different things. So ashwagandha was the first plant that we've done, yeah. but we're going to go in depth on lesser plants, lesser fungi, but then also some really cool medicinal ones as well. So yeah, keep tuned. There's some cool things happening. Uh, our team is still relatively small, so we got to delegate some tasks and some things take excuse me, a little bit longer than yeah. we would like them to, but it will get out there. We're going to, we're going to get some awesome material out for people to, uh, to educate themselves on. Well, you guys are doing a fantastic job considering the size of your team. Um, so Thank yeah, <laughs> looking forward to seeing what you guys come up with in, in the next year. Uh, so where, where can the listeners go to, to find out more? What, what are the like handles and, and website addresses? Yeah. So I, uh, our Instagram is, growing quite nicely uh, so anyone can check us out on instagram it's ether so that's a-e-t-h-e-r ether then underscore herbalist apothecary and apothecary i think it is but if you just type in ether you can find us ether okay. herbalist, you can find us so instagram is an amazing way to keep up to date with who we are and what we're doing otherwise our website uh, ether herbalist and apothecary um you can find some amazing amazing medicines what we like to do is um wild harvested and speciality medicine. So things you can't really get from, from other suppliers, things that are a bit out there. Um, so yeah, we have some, some cool things in our range. So you can check out the websites and then, uh, yeah, that's about it. I mean, we are doing lots and lots of education. So I'm always around the country traveling. We do, f- so like our books are free. We also do free talks and free forages. So just keep a lookout for those. If we're in your area, you can come and join. Um, yeah, if you'd like, us to come to an area let us know and we'd be happy to come on through um yeah we want to we want to get uh, people excited so if anyone is excited about what we're doing reach out to us and we'd love to collaborate in any way excellent 
Cool. Is there anything else that um, you'd like to mention before we wrap up? I think this has been an amazing conversation. You've shared so much information and inspiration, but is there anything else that you're itching to say? Uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, thank, thank you for having me on first and foremost, but uh, I think the last thing just to end us off, don't, don't be scared to try going against the grain. You know, everyone is doing the modern world thing and everyone's doing that. doesn't mean you have to as well. Um, this is to your listeners. Um, yeah. You're already, you're, you're already doing it, man. But yeah, yeah for, for everyone listening, we, we don't have to be set in the path that we, we carve out for ourselves, you know, by traveling that same path every single day, we carve it deeper, deeper and deeper and deeper. But all you have to do is just push yourself out of it and you can carve a whole new path. You can change your life. Really, you can. Mm. Um, so I would encourage you to try herbal medicine, get exercising, get into nature, do all of these wonderful things. Um, if you feel like you need a change, it doesn't have to be terrifying. Uh, you can change your mindset on it and we can all live really amazing, wonderful, wonderful lives if we choose to do so. Uh, yeah. It just comes down to your choice. So I'd like to encourage you all to, to make a choice for yourself today. Uh, do something cool. Do something fun. Do something awesome. Great. I'm so grateful that you you've had me on. I can't can't believe it. I think it's uh, yeah. Hopefully we'll uh, we'll encourage some people. We'll get people excited. I think uh, yeah. It's, it was a good one. Thank you. Yeah. No worries, man. Thank you. Before you go, I just wanted to say thanks for listening. I really appreciate you giving me your time today. And if you're like me, then you probably listened to this whilst driving your car or walking the dogs, which means you can't make notes of all the cool stuff you just heard. That's why I created the podcast portal. It's totally free. All you have to do is go to awakentonature.com and sign up to the podcast portal. Each week, I'll send you the most important bits related to that episode, and I'll include access to some special offers too. Hit that subscribe button, and if you're on Apple, then please leave a review. It would mean a lot to me. At Awaken to Nature on social media is the place to be. Until the next time, adios, ciao.